0: Funding for Start the Beat is provided in part by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda. In the fridge. Cheers, my friend. (sighs) So I am sitting here today on the internet with world renowned, one and only, infamous, dastardly, Andre Costello. Make some noise for the internet. (laughs) The people of the internet are happy that you're here. I'm even happier that you're here. What are you doing here?
1: Uh, well, I, uh, I released, uh, I started this new band called Tomorrow Club. Uh, started in the lockdown and uh, made it uh, almost a year. I put it out. I put out what I came up with. Uh, it was six songs. They're all different. I produced it all myself. And uh, pretty happy about it.
0: Cool. Did Uh, you produce it right where you're sitting? I did. So uh, if you had to guess how much time you've spent sitting in that chair in the past nine months, what do you think the hours are?
1: Oh, my God. Six months.
0: (laughs) Six months, nine months, however long it's been.
1: No, nine months of, oh, six months six total. Months okay. Of those nine months we're sitting in this chair okay.
0: here. Okay. I, I I get what you're saying now. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> so prior to the uh you know, the thing that people were talking about, the you know, what? the the uh <laughs> that whole thing. Prior to all of that, <laughs> how much time did you get to spend in that chair? Has this been like a bit more of like a you know, uh, a bittersweet sort of way to spend more time working on things
1: for you? Um, yeah, you know, actually I was primed for it because I, uh, had worked for Carnegie Library Pittsburgh for 10 years and I left about a year, uh, before, uh, all this, all that stuff happened. And, uh, so I'd already, uh, kind of, uh, got really into working from, uh, my workstation here. Uh, I was, I was starting to roll into, uh, setting up
2: like a nice, you know, when you're being creative, you got to, uh, sort of, um, kind of, once, once you set up your
1: routine and then you can, uh, then it's, then it's easy kind of to be creative. You got your, your routine. So you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, improvising any other way than like whatever your craft is that you want to focus on. So I had already kind of got to that point, uh, and was ready. Uh, so whenever they were like, you have to stay at home. Um, my wife and I had been, uh, working real hard to renovate this house here in Brookline already for like five years. And we've been making it into our own little sort of paradise. Uh, And so that paired with the fact that like, just actually this literal little workstation that I have here was, was kind of ready. And my routine was set. I was, I was, I was, was, we were very fortunate. I was very fortunate uh, to to be in this position.
0: So you got to put out uh, a new, a new ding dong record with a new ding dong band. Did you have plans Mm -hmm. to do this ding dong thing prior to the pandemic or was this birthed out of all of this extra time?
1: Yeah, so I had that uh, band, Andre Costello and the Cool Miners, and that's really where I've uh, been focusing all my time for the last uh, five or six years plus. Um, and so I kind of used, I, I wanted to break off and kind of just do Andre Costello uh, for a bit, which should have been more of like a singer-songwriter, strummer, sh- strummers sh- sort of tunes. I don't, uh, whereas, I, don't think, I don't
0: think we have enough of those.
1: Yeah, right. So I I mean <laughs> that's like, you know, uh you campfire songs. Totally, right?
2: totally.
1: Yeah, uh and uh so something that didn't really have to be so explorative it's like sonically that could just kind of be uh, you know, well recorded songs. So I started working on that already uh with my friend Anthony Lamarca in Youngstown. Um two years ago. Uh, and uh, I was just kind of getting them back into hitting them up. we recorded three songs. I'm, i still have them. Uh, they're going to be called Andre Costello and uh, I've been sitting on those and I'm going to wait even longer. Uh, but I was prepared to do that, to start putting that out and to, uh, maybe work on more songs with Anthony. And then also we've been re- working on the, uh, the third LP from uh, Costello and the Cool Miners for uh, the, a couple of years now and uh, so that one is just kind of that's the slow burner that's been based in for a while so that's going to be pretty big production when it comes out and uh, so I'm still working on that but I get antsy and uh, I'm so happy that I've like kind of Mm. niched out this uh, 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 outlet to uh, just keep active on on my own you know and uh, not really have to rely on anybody but myself so it's sort of a practice in that.
0: Totally, totally. I feel as though you may have a similar quality that I have where um, I want to work nonstop on things. And the only reason I'm in as many musical projects as I am in is because there's always roadblocks that aren't my fault. And I also have no control over. So it's like, you know, you might have to wait a couple weeks to work on something for one project because like, you know, like somebody else has something going on or whatever you know things are out of our control we're all adults none of us are getting any younger so you kind of have to forgive these things it's like an unfortunate side effect of aging and still wanting to be creative right (laughs) but like we for whatever reason can still keep going so it's like well in these two weeks i'm gonna record three songs that i didn't really need to but i need to do something
1: absolutely brian that's like oh my god that's (laughs) he <laughs> spoke to my soul right there. <laughs> that's that's my, give me uh that's like the, that's the thing that I wanted to depart from, which has been really great. So like, you know, whenever you're recording on something, recording or working on something collaboratively and you have, uh, you look at it and you're just like, oh my God, like, I see what needs to be done. And then uh, you like hit up your dude that has the studio and it's going to be your engineer. And you're like, hey man I got it and he's like all right email your availability and I'm like oh god and then I <laughs> gotta text every single person in the band and I gotta see when they're available and some of them aren't gonna answer and some of them will and some of them won't and I just have to keep following through with it and it's that whole thing that uh I was, it's oh and then finally once you book it and uh you're like hey I got all these dates and he's like this month and next month are not looking good for me, bro. We got to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah. I called him right now to record, which I have to, because we have to get back at the cool minor stuff. There's work to be done. Uh, I know that he's going to be like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm so booked up right now. Like I'm looking at like uh, late March. And so I didn't, you just have to do that and just like put the irons in the, in the fire put it on the calendar and wait for it to happen. Uh, and this project, this, uh, tomorrow club thing has been really great. Cause if I like, you know what, that I had a bunch of good takes earlier today, I need to sit down and comp it and cut it down and then like, see what the best takes are and edit them together and just go do that myself. And like, uh, I don't have to ask anybody if that's cool. Like I don't have
2: to sit in that chair over there and be like, yo, uh, what if it did that? And then my guys just like, uh, hang on, I'm I'm doing, doing something like that's that's this is the
1: position that I'm used to. This is what I'm used to seeing. <laughs> yeah. For the entire session,
0: absolutely, and absolutely.
1: <laughs> which my my dude Nate, this time I'm referring to, he's a fucking master. Can we swear on your show? Because I, uh, after. Six thirty, I I get cussy, so. Fuck <laughs> it, uh, but yeah. <laughs> my dude Nate uh, with the, at Smalls, uh, he's 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 my guy, and he uh, he does an awesome job. Uh, but like, it's fun to be in the uh, in the driver's seat.
0: Totally, totally sure. I, I find that it's awesome being able to have that control over your work and just be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Uh, but it can also be a bit of a curse (laughs) in terms of like maybe overworking the dough, if you will. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Had you self-produced anything prior to this project?
1: I did actually. And so it was like a return to it, which is great. Um, before any of, uh, myself or like my my uh recording performing and i don't know writing music mates uh had enough money to buy
2: logic which is like
1: the cheapest quality uh audio recording that i'm you know program that i'm aware of. um we recorded what, i think three three albums and uh maybe four in a garage band uh as the slant. I, I I was in this band a, a while ago, like when I was in college, and uh got some of that stuff on NPR, which is which is cool. we were on all things considered once. Uh and uh we were rated higher than Deer Tick the one year on like this one college countdown in Illinois, which is funny. Uh but like that was all garage band stuff. And uh my after we broke up my uh I, I set out to do andre Costello stuff and uh, i produced my own thing just in garage band and that was my big introduction i called that album andre costello and the cool Miners. i didn't have a band yet and then i eventually got the band and we recorded the first official lp under that title and i uh i think i removed that from the internet uh just because it you know it, in my opinion at that time it didn't compare to the studio Uh, i was just under the impression but i uh that it didn't compare to the studio recording but honestly i uh just viewing it as art there's no right or wrong way and uh that attitude is kind of propelled me a little bit uh in this past year recording at home and that like i knew how to use the tools logic is uh intuitive if you if you uh grew up with garage band and um i uh just had a blast getting back to you know how how i started doing everything so like my brain's already kind of kind of works that way from the get-go and uh so it's cool to sort of be the master of it the whole time absolutely so getting
0: back to the start when did you first pick up a guitar?
2: Oh boy. Um my buddy uh my brother's
1: uh buddy uh Jason Fodia had uh his dad had a uh an
2: you know, old Alvarez and uh buddies, our buddy's uh dad played and then
1: so uh Jason started strumming and like he was a, he really natu- naturally just just a really gifted kid and then i asked for a guitar and uh for christmas and my brother nick got one first, and i went and told my mom look i really want a guitar though and then so she got me this like blue carrera i think it costed 130 dollars from brighton music center new brighton and uh it was electric, which electrics are supposed to be easier to play. But this guitar was not easy to play. This guitar was a giant pile of garbage. It was like <laughs> the entire thing. Maybe even the fretboard was painted blue, and uh, that's how I started. I, I think I downloaded a tab for "Old Man" by Neil Young, and I re- I learned it uh, in reverse, like with the 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 pick guard separate, like okay. flipped and it sounded terrible (laughs) My friend that and he was like no (laughs) and so i didn't that really wasn't my first song but my first song was uh love is a rose by neil young which is uh three chords a d and e and
2: uh yeah that was that that's my beginning i don't remember when i actually got it the first time i think what was the question? It was like when I started playing... Just when you first picked
0: up a guitar, you answered the question beautifully.
1: Yeah, so I picked it up and then also when I kind of started learning how.
0: Yeah, so the first couple songs that you learned to play were Neil Young songs. So you yeah. had some sort of music entering your life in some capacity. I don't feel like kids that don't grow up listening to music some for some reason aren't going to be like, oh, Neil Young's my first choice. All right. So, yeah, what, well, I, what was like your yeah. music intake like? Was there music in the family or just in friends and school, blah, blah, blah?
1: Yeah. My, my dad, uh, he, uh, you know, had a really nice, he has still has a pretty, I have his vinyl collection now. Uh, but he, uh, he, he had a really great vinyl collection. Uh, and like as a kid, falling asleep on the couch, you know, uh, watching TV, they just, uh, let me just kind of sleep there for the night. I remember waking up to, uh, my dad just putting on uh, like old Genesis really loud or Pink Floyd. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, and so like, it was always like a uh, sort of early Prague stuff uh, like that. And uh, yeah. Uh, and then also being that I grew up in Elwood city that was out. It's like kind of a dead zone. Uh, once you get past like opal for some reason, like none of the community broadcast stuff gets out that far. So all I had was uh, the X and DVE and a couple of Youngstown stations. And uh, which, uh, you know, DVE like was like rock and roll 101 for me. And then um, the X kind of showed me what not to do because they just kind of exploited uh, the, depression it was all stuff that came after nirvana and Pearl jam and just uh you know once lincoln park hit i was just like no man like i mean this is some ca- these are some catchy earworms but like this shit's just capitalizing on like fucking teenage de- uh, you know depressive tendencies and like suicidal tendencies and stained and all that fucking shit like i'm sorry but like they're just nurturing like a really like dark tendency a little bit too much in a dishonest way, in my opinion. And so like, uh, I like, that's what I kind of got from, uh, from my exposure with those two big stations every once in a while. I heard a fucking, uh, white stripes song. Uh, two two in a row on uh plane from the Youngstown station. it blew my mind. I was like, Oh my god, the white stripes are on like the, who is this like I, I can't believe they're on the uh, on the radio right now and and um yeah, uh so I didn't get it so that was my big introduction Well, no like no it rock. was yeah. it was
0: you're doing so good at this ding dong podcast that you actually answered a question. I was going to ask you without me having to fucking ask you it because I assume that we're around the same age. I'm 35. Are you in your thirties somewhere around there? I think,
1: I think I'm 33,
0: 33. You think
1: I, I, Congrats. I, I might be 30. I might be 34. I, okay. I, I have the birthday party and I don't think about it until the next year. Fair and, enough.
0: All good. Yeah. But we're the same age, which means we grew up around the same age time with the same music and all of this stuff. And you mentioned, you know, picking up a guitar and wanting to play Neil Young songs. Then you mentioned Mm -hmm. your dad having like, you know, the prog and all this stuff, so my next question was naturally going to be, you know, being a teenager in the time that we were teenagers, how did you or did you not adapt to what was popular in rock culture of the time because it was very different and simply you just didn't or you just gravitated yeah. towards more of like the White Stripes and all of that like Michigan stuff. The oh garage my
1: God. Stuff. yeah. I, well, before that, it was like I was, playing, I was learning to play guitar whenever like I think like you had you had Creed, Kid Rock, Blink One Eighty Two. Oh yeah, there was um, all that. Yeah, and uh, I I learned the Creed songs. I, I learned like seven Creed songs. I remember at that time, and then uh, I think one or two Blink One Eighty Two songs because I wanted to be cool. I think, and I knew that these were popular songs, and um, it took me it took me so quick. It was so quick to not want to. Like I never wanted to really like I, I was like resistant with the with that music and then I never fully uh, really incorporated it into my life. Like those are my first like probably burnt CDs. Um, but then I, so I got them and I learned like a couple of songs from them. Uh, I learned the, the Creed song, but then I just went right back. I reverted right back into uh you know your classic rock <laughs>
0: totally no i totally get it as somebody yeah who you know my dad listened to a lot of classic rock but was also into like you know metallica and megadeth and all of this metal stuff so mm-hmm. like it was always a really interesting mix you know like when i was like 10 years old it would be like i'm listening to white zombie or maybe the smashing pumpkins you know, it's yeah. like, I liked all of that stuff. Uh, and that was a cool I thing. totally
1: missed the Smashing Pumpkins. And I remember thinking that like, Oh, they must be like some heavy band, like a Marilyn Manson sort of thing. And they kind of were, but like they're like, they hold up, you know? Uh, but yeah. Sorry to mean to cut you no,
0: off. It's all good. But yeah, they were, uh, it was a really cool band and a really cool time for music. And I think that mm-hmm. we're starting to get back to this point now. It felt like the nineties, like genre wasn't so Important or critical, and like it seemed like mainstream music kind of embraced a lot of different styles, and it wasn't weird to like a lot of different stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. then for a while, it kind of it kind of splintered off, kind of into that time frame where you were talking about, with like you know, oh, like the depressed Lincoln Park stain kids, and then like you know the garagey smoking cigarettes at fifteen white stripes kids, and then like you know like all these neat. little clicks kind of splintered off. But now I start to see it coming back, but. That's not what the hell we're talking about. We're talking about you and then and now. Yeah. So you have put this new band together and you're doing, you know, right now, essentially, you have three different projects. Solo, your solo band, however you want to consider that. And then this new project, which was tomorrow's, I forget it already.
1: Tomorrow Club. Tomorrow
0: Club. Sorry, I apologize. Boo. (laughs) Boo. Yeah, I know. Fuck me anyway so tomorrow <laughs> club so how like musically or sonically or whatever what do you think you're doing differently with tomorrow club from you have done? what from what you've done with like andre costello and the cool miners
1: with andre costello and the cool miners um everything uh has to sort of pass through the filter of what of the players of the band um there is a point with the beginning of, of our second record, the uh resident frequencies, um, where you know, I started kind of like driving it and kind of uh being a little more specific with what we with what I wanted. And uh like kind of halfway through that record, uh started really uh started really getting into a method. I just I just really started just like kind of letting my players do what they do. And, um, that's kind of starting to happen here on the, uh, the newer album, uh, where, you know, if I have a part that I need in there, like if I know that there's a melody that needs to happen on the keyboard or something, I'm going to play it. And I'm going to have James do it because he plays the keys or a guitar part. I'm going to tell rich to do it. But outside of that, Whenever that's not there, there's just like this sort of uh, uh, comfort in knowing that like what they come up with is going to be
2: probably, mm-hmm.
0: yeah you know, great. I, I relate with that 110% and uh, my one project, which is now called Normal Creatures. We used to play under Sykes and the New Violence, but it would be like me writing all of these songs and like, hey, learn this stuff and you could change it a bit but like mm-hmm. it took me a couple albums to kind of let go of that and like realize it's like I have these people around because they're good at what they do. And like, I can't really pay these people anything. So I can at least let them write parts and be a part of this fucking thing. Right. Like I should trust yeah. them and relinquish control. Mm-hmm. It makes songwriting a lot better too, to kind of like mm-hmm. leave that space out because it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, like I kind of have an idea of what, you know, the baseline in here could be, but let's just leave it raw and just see what they Mm -hmm. come up with. Cause it's like, you know, most of the time it's like, I wouldn't even have thought of that because we're two different players. So
1: awesome. Right. You know what I, uh, what I really like is the efficiency of it. And I like, I like practicing and I like figuring things out, but there's a point where you're a rehearsal and you're like, okay, you're figuring it out. You're figuring it out. And then you're like, we got it. And you go home, you come back. And then you figure it out and you're figuring it out and you're like, wait a second, we learned how to play this last week. Like we found a a version or a way to play this that works. Like, why are we still figuring shit out? And uh like that's something that like I have to be like the drill sergeant and I have to record it and I have to be like, these are your parts now. You must play them this way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm not gonna let this these songs just morph and and like like continue to change. Uh, and so that's why I, I love to like, kind of just get it recorded and, and just be like, this is how it goes. And if it changes a little bit, if the vibe switches a little bit, like, you know, uh, like the grateful dead the uh, you know, like over their career, they play the same songs again and again and again that like, you know, their songs took on new, uh, lives of their own, um, as they went along, uh, Bob Marley did that too like i mean it, all his hit songs like i think he even re-recorded them like studio like from whenever he was like in Trenchtown like all the way up until like uh you know like the, uh, the decade he passed on and like you could find like five versions of like each of his songs like throughout his career like the big ones that you know of and uh i don't want to take it that far but like i also a goal of mine is to be a little bit more easygoing with the coal miners. And just to be like, like, look, let's, let's just make sure that we're enjoying ourselves and that it sounds good. If it isn't completely true to the record, that's okay. And I, that's a, that's a me thing that I just need to be all right with. I have this like vision where it's like, you know, like if you go see, uh, you know, radiohead or like I don't know, a band of horses or something, like they're gonna it's gonna sound or grizzly bear. Like it sounds exactly like the record in an amazing way. Um and you wanna hear all the things that you heard on the record because that's what you love so much. Like, you know, when the the certain sound hits or like the texture or the yeah if you hear this melody or like this repeating part, you have to have that but it's okay if it happens slightly different on a different instrument like
0: it's so hard for people that operate in this like mid tier where we do where we're not we don't have like dedicated sound engineers that tour around with us and we don't always play mm-hmm. like clubs that are equipped to do things and like you might spend you know weeks trying to get down like this synth part on a song that you don't need it's the only part that you use like it's the, you only use it once right in the whole set Uh and you bring it, you learn it, you get it incorporated, you dial it in. And then the sound engineer forgets to unmute the DI during that part. So it's like completely, (laughs) I'm not speaking from something that happened. Trust me, this is not a very personal experience, but that kind of shit happens. And it's like, Uh fuck. So it's like when you're operating at this level where like, not that you should like accept the mediocrity around you. You should always strive for more, but there's things that are out of your control. And it's like, fuck, how can mm-hmm. I just make streamline this and make it as easy as possible? So I'm not like banging my head against the wall doing something that like you said, is supposed to be fun. That's why we still do this. That's yeah, like, really exactly. the only reason yeah. at this point that I still do it. I uh-huh. can't speak on your on behalf of you, but like, what else <laughs> yeah. do I have other than just like, being able to hang, hang out with like the homies and make some noise in front of my mm-hmm. other homies and hopefully mm-hmm. a stranger or two that might like it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Something that I've kind of, uh, honed on in on with this project is, is and as I just kind of get, uh, uh, to be, uh, you know, gradually better at, uh, writing songs and, uh, coming up with these like whole, you know, arrangements and everything is that you want it to be creative uh, and an artistic expression, and you also want people to enjoy it. And that's a thing that I've, I've, uh, I I continue to learn because whenever I was with, you know, my other band and uh, in the past, like, you know, being a college student in art school, uh, you know, if it's inaccessible, like, you might think that that makes it good, but like truth is uh, that doesn't make it good. Uh, And so making it a little bit, uh, you know, like listenable. I think the ideal is if, if you can make it like very listenable, but then also very creative and expressive and interesting.
0: There's this fine line that we walk as creators where like, you know, the song that you're writing that you're performing it's like you having a conversation with the listener and
2: mm-hmm.
0: but the the listener doesn't have to be engaging in this conversation with you so there needs to be something unique about the conversation to make them want to listen to you talking to them right but right. it's really easy sometimes to confuse that like uniqueness with like trying to do something too different that as you said can be too inaccessible so it's like we need to be unique enough but we need to be like speaking a language that the listener understands. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, blur, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it confuses people. And some people might be yeah, entertained they're... by that. But for the uh-huh. most part, yeah, they just they want to, there's like a, a, an unspoken connection that happens. And that's like the magic of music or art in general, even just like visual art. Like some people can go to a museum and look at like a painting that has a small purple square on it and be like, this is nonsense. And then there's like other people could be like, whoa like so mm-hmm. they they see something that another person doesn't
1: it's all just like uh uh grabbing and, and and making like your synapses fire in a way that makes you suddenly you take it and you uh identify with it and then you're invested and in because you kind of you feel like on some level you understand it and uh that's only communicated through language uh you know if it's you know verbal uh nonverbal it's uh, so a visual visual or auditory i don't work in smell yet but sure uh you could, you, <laughs> but could but the, but, you could
0: make 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 your live experience like you're like at disney and like pump out certain smells in certain areas uh, of the park
1: that's a great idea it's really just the smell of weed and, uh, and body odor.
0: <laughs> totally.
1: Uh, yeah, it's so that's that's it. It's like uh, and like so the the task of the the artist is to take uh, uh, some to find to speak in some kind of language that can be understood, and so uh, it can be done through patterns and uh, chord progressions and textures and sounds that just like feel like they're connecting with you because you might feel like you know them already
0: i feel like the the biggest struggle that i've had throughout my entire um time creating music in my life is fighting the selfishness because i know that like somewhere in there there's this you know unique voice that is only going to come out if I embrace my selfishness a little bit. But if you embrace it too much, then you get that inaccessibility, and it's like a tightrope too. Especially because, like, indulgence—I I already don't make the most accessible kind of music to begin with. I'm, a, you know, I, I'm probably one of those people that you would have thought was like, you know, a depressed high school twat listening to Lincoln Park because I was, uh-huh. and I <laughs> s- probably still am that guy. But you know. <laughs> I'm very like self-aware of it and I've gotten more aware of it as I've gotten older and just chilled out that like, you know, the world it's not all about me, but if it's not about me, what's going to be interesting? Like, what is my story mm-hmm. that I'm telling? It's a weird, mm-hmm. it's a weird, weird thing.
1: I mean, like in part to be fair, was like, was actually very uh, groundbreaking and, uh, and, and they were very uh, forward thinking. They were like uh oh yeah yeah i kind of undersung for that you know i think their popularity uh and the general tone of their music is uh, a turnoff for for many but uh i think that they're actually uh very exploratory and you know there was a a dude that played samples in that band and i remember seeing that and being like whoa <laughs> that's that's a that's a cool thing for a rock band to, to do especially an alt rock band
0: so i'm curious now because I, I you know i mentioned before just like growing up kind of and like changing the way that i view myself as an artist and the way that i approach writing things with you know tackling my selfishness and all of this stuff like just mm-hmm. the Growing up, naturally, you change, but growing up as an artist, I feel like you change in the ways that you start to digest other styles of music or art and things like that. And maybe you start to appreciate things that you didn't appreciate when you were younger and then vice versa. Maybe you learn to like not like things that you thought were super cool when you were a kid. So like with you, is there anything that you maybe grew to appreciate over the years of just being a songwriter and playing music, like learning how it all works?
1: music from the 80s
0: like like new wave type stuff
1: like synthy stuff yeah like morrissey okay. and uh pixies uh, weren't very 80s you know they're I get, like I, they, I mean they were but they uh, so like
0: more like the the post punk and all that sort of stuff
1: yeah like uh my buddies and i that like grew up with uh you know burn runs and listening to DVE, uh we all like, you know, had this allegiance to classic rock and uh and that aesthetic. Uh and you know, we honestly fully believe that like the 80s were the war was the worst era. Sure. Uh, because for the I think solely for the reason that all the bands that we loved from the 70s, when they hit the 80s, the sound became it felt it's just like really inauthentic because they all were trying to fit into that era. The cocaine only gets you so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the engine runs out eventually.
1: Yeah. Like you know, Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, uh, Dylan and all those bands and, uh, and even like George Harrison. And uh, at that time, you know, that stuff was unlistenable to me. Uh, the music from those, from our favorite bands, like I've got my mindset on you
0: and shit like that in, in the eighties. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so now I, 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 I think that stuff is just, just as good as, uh, as the seventies shit. And, uh, yeah. And then also, in addition to that, the bands that came out of the eighties, uh, like I mentioned Morrissey, like, this is some awesome, those are great songs, you know, like it doesn't, once you can see through the presentation to actually see the songs, uh, it's actually really great. Uh, and that's why I think that John Mayer sucks so bad is because (laughs) he's such a great performer and such a great musician. And then like you listen to, well, I mean, I I can't say all of the songs. Some of us, stuff is just just fine you know but like if you were to strip it down and have somebody present the song to you side by side with other great songs uh, that you know um, you would hear his songs and you would probably be like this song is very lame you know it's just dude
0: you know (laughs) so interesting about like somebody like a John Mayer if he didn't write those songs we wouldn't be talking about him right now
2: yeah, I, I feel like he figured I something agree. out
0: and I feel he like did. he just doesn't care. I feel like he, he knows that care. he's good enough, but like, also, like I said, we wouldn't be t- nobody would know who he was if it wasn't for he knows what he's bullshit. doing
1: because he, he's such a good musician and 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 he's so great that he could just kind of do what he wants. He just writes the songs and he knows they're going to get on the damn radio and they get on the radio and they stay there, uh, forever and uh and he tricked me into He made it like a, he went through like a Neil Young sort of like Allman brothers looking phase. Like he did the artwork and the photography and the, uh, the quality of the music, like the sound that he pulled from was like all that sort of like, uh, you know, Greyhound bus, like cruising through the desert kind of stuff with, you know, cowboy hat and like maybe rhinestones or something. Uh, and I listened to it in the first song. I was like, this is just a fucking like Taylor Swift breakup album. Like this is, that's, <laughs> what this, that's what this is about. Like I'm listening to lyrics and like the first chorus is like, I'm a good man with a good life. Had a right time, had a wrong start. And I'm just like, and I finally found my way. And I'm just like, this is some such lame surface level fucking songwriting that there's no depth. Like there's nothing like, Oh, what did he mean by that? No, it's all just like, I'm putting it all out there for you. And that's what pisses me off. But what do like successful people have to write
0: about? I find like it's like it becomes like by by proxy, it somehow becomes like inauthentic once you've like achieved a certain level of just having things.
1: I don't know. I I don't. That's why. That's why Kurt Cobain. Uh, that's the same instinct as I think why Kurt Cobain uh, didn't want to have his like stomach problems fixed because he felt like if he didn't have that like nagging pain all the time that he wouldn't have like you know the uh, the source of inspiration for like his songwriting sure and like in his case I feel like he probably would have been a pretty amazing songwriter without that because life is enough of a of a downer um, and that's the major, that's the, that's the fear, right? Like if we were to get super successful, like where's the arc going to come from? Like if we have, but there's always problems. There's always inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. You I, know, yeah. there's beauty and there's like the terrible shit that always is going to inspire you.
0: Yeah. It, 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 it I just made the, the joke with my girlfriend a couple days ago about like, you know, it was like, everything's going pretty okay right now i was like what the hell am i gonna write a song about like i i just don't know it's like that it's it's an interesting <laughs> thing where like i love the music that i make i love the the heavier weirder experimental abrasive stuff that's just my that's my my cup of tea but like yeah. you know how do i i don't want to promote like negativity or depression or any of these things like you had mentioned because i've yeah. gone through that I'm 35 uh, yeah. now and things are okay. It's just like but like I still love the sound. So how do I yeah. transition also- that sound? Like how do I grow up in this like sound that is like by nature somewhat adolescent? It's a mm-hmm. really it's a weird place to be in, but I'm working mm-hmm. through it. I'm working through it. Yeah. Slayer went until yeah. they were like 50 something. I got another yeah. 20 in me
1: hell yeah man and uh <laughs> i feel like it's uh I, I feel like i also you know i started off by bitching about like uh post uh uh i i don't know the heyday of alt, alt rock sure probably. sure no 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 I, I think because of what it became maybe uh that like i knew the trajectory but like and i didn't like what i was seeing um and because uh, it felt like exploitative but like you're not wrong. Hidden in there, though, was like uh, System of a Down and like Incredible, probably like one of the best metal bands ever. Totally, totally. And really like, cool. Yeah. Uh, so like, I don't mean to write off every band from, you know, from that era, but like, and also as a, as a songwriter relating to you on uh, the sort of, the, you need to have that kind of catharsis because that's why you're talking anyways, that's you know that's you you're talking about something whenever you're making your music, and like you know however you feel whenever you feel comfortable to let that out and however it's gonna be, if it is you talked about how depressed you are, that's fine, you know, like I love Radiohead, and like they uh make me very depressed whenever I listen to their music and uh well, certain, especially certain albums, but like, uh I think that's I think that's great as long as that that doesn't become as long as whatever it is doesn't become the thing you do and I and even like STP made it so that that wasn't the thing they did you know like it's like as long as you're actually being a fucking artist about it and and not just being like oh that works I'm gonna do that every time uh, then. Then there, there's, you can be you you know there's more room for admiration. Not that those bands that do find their sound and hold on to it and make the same song again and again and again, that's really fine because you know everybody's got a fucking hustle and like if they can do that and everybody was going to go to their shows and check them out, like if you listen to that shit long enough, you'll hear the difference and uh, between song to song and you'll hear the artistry in there and that's. You know, I mean, they're fucking arch- architects that didn't reinvent themselves every time they built shit that looked similar from building to building and building to building. And so, like, you know, I I have to like I have to not be judgy because what you know, when you're when you consume art and music, you you know, you're. You know, you're thinking about it, you're looking at it critically, you're looking at what you like and what you don't like, and so. Um, no matter what you do, as long as it doesn't become a pastime of com- complaining or just doing the same thing. I-, I think that's like probably my thesis statement here is
2: that
0: like, I can't speak on behalf of everybody else on the planet, but for me, you know, it helped me like get through shit in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like either like, it was like, you know, like very cathartic and good. And like, I, finally, it's off my chest. And I did something positive with this and cool. Or it just made me realize like how much of a ding dong I was and helped me get over it, like playing these songs live over and over again. I start, I'm like, I'm not this person anymore. I like this song, but I, uh-huh. I don't ever want to play this song again. I've grown past this. And I don't know if I would have, if it wouldn't have been for me, like, you know, reliving this and working through it. Night after night, which is cool, mm-hmm. it's
1: neat it's growth, yeah, it is. I remember pro j had that song alive, and that like I remember him talking about how uh, uh Eddie better talking about how uh it lost its original meaning, but then it took on like a kind of a new meaning thankfully uh as as he went, and so you change i mean every seven years you i I think you, <laughs> Uh, your body is like completely uh, renewed, you know. Like uh, every cell in your body is replaced and regenerated, mm. and so like the literal matter that you were composed of seven years ago is gone, and you are we're all we're new, almost, and
0: we're almost like roller coasters. Every little piece gets replaced throughout the time.
1: Oh, that's wonderful! I love amusement park. Me too. Do you do uh, uh, you know Conyot Lake Park? Are you aware of this place? Yeah, I've been there. My brother Mike uh, wrote the Images of America book. It's an amusement park historian. Oh, cool! Yeah, super cool. I have a big affinity for <laughs> amusement parks. Yeah, dude. I and the I, history I, of them and the culture. I
0: love amusement parks. I was actually right before my so a lot of cool things came from, uh, the lockdown for me, put it, being able to put a lot of time into the podcast and my other bands and things mm-hmm. like that. But I did have one project that get totally derailed and, uh, I'm working on, I want to start a weekly podcast. That's all about the history of Kennywood. And I've been doing, oh, yeah. I've been doing research on this thing for about a year and compiling ah. all of this stuff. And then but I want to do most of it at the park cuz like I'm a season pass guy and I'm there a lot and I mean I could go but it's like I'm not going to fucking record this thing in a mask and all this stuff You, you know, know
1: Brian bootco yeah. or Butko,
2: uh-huh. Butko Yeah yeah you do it? I'm in the yeah, Facebook gotta, group
1: Oh yeah yeah, yeah you got to be uh yeah you know who else uh, Josh for for, for Banets from a uh, meeting of important people uh and my brother Mike Costello uh I recommend you uh, have discussions with all of them because uh, we're myself included, because we're all, uh, uh <laughs> aware or enlightened, uh, you know, if one of people look at a park that is an amusement park and they go, as soon as they think it's a theme park. And, you know, if they, if you're talking to them about it and they accidentally call it a theme park, you'll be like, Oh, you don't get it. <laughs> like you don't, you don't know actually, cause this isn't a theme park. <laughs> there might be themed rides and themed areas but no this is not a theme park this is a historic amusement park <laughs>
0: yeah no i think it's a, an awesome place with great history i've always um i've always lived like 10 15 minutes away from the park spent a lot of time there as a kid um don't got to get into the whole spiel now but basically i just wanted to do something that's like creative that really has nothing to do with music or art but i mean there's a lot of art that's in the park but it's a different kind of Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of thing and uh i just thought it would be a fun break from everything i would
1: i would love to have anything to do with that and
0: also to like Uh, do something that's a little more like not to sound cliche but kind of like more of like a punk rock sort of like you know we we can like say swear words and stuff because everything's always so like nice and glossy but it's like no, let's you know, let's fucking yuck it up. Open up some beers. Talk about the racer.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about like uh, uh, parks or rides that are have been removed, like you're going to need some uh, expressive words there. Oh, definitely, definitely,
0: <laughs> dude. The kangaroo, bro. Hmm.
1: I, I don't think I've had more giggles anywhere else in my entire life. Ugh, heartbreaking. Really, <laughs> really. I really swear hard. to God that that was like a giggle machine for me as a as a small child.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I. It's it's. I think that. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking about because me and my girlfriend actually wrote it. We went we went a couple times. No, we went once over the summer when it opened up again, um, and uh, we got one last ride on it. And uh, yeah, it's it's really, really silly that like whole like (laughs) you just can't like (laughs) this is so like it's like really fun when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And then I think the thing that makes me laugh as an adult is like this is really kind of dumb, but it's also
2: awesome. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, like it's just Mm -hmm. Mm I don't know. And I guess nostalgia. I'm a I'm a really I think I don't think I've ever been. Like much of an addict, but I do think I have like a nostalgia addiction. I don't know if that's a weird, dark way to put that, but like,
1: I don't. know. No, I think that's definitely an addiction that one can have. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't. I don't know if it's good or bad. <laughs> yeah. But it makes uh, me happy.
2: Then it's good. <laughs> then it's good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Although you know, it, it's. I guess at least I don't have to. I mean, I'm bummed that the kangaroo's gone, but I guess I'm not going to miss having to stare at Johnny Rockets every time it goes around mm-hmm. the, the circle.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: my uh my dad's garage, you'll never guess what's up in the rafters. Uh it is a scene from Lake Show. Nice. The my what? brother bought Really? Uh, on eBay when he was like 17. And he took the family van and drove it to Pittsburgh from Elwood city and picked it up. And uh, yeah, it's this like eight foot tall, uh,
2: like Prince looking uh, black light painted uh, fellow. Okay. Um, it's got like a uh, yellow, like curls. You know, I, I, I think that,
0: has Has your brother posted photos of this in the Facebook group? because like I've, there's like somebody, at least a couple he, he people that own like different pieces of different things that have posted stuff, and I'm like, this is awesome. Um, yeah. So actually, uh I, I'll t- I wasn't really planning on saying anything about this publicly. Um, But it doesn't really matter. It's not like this is like a secret or anything. But actually, Mm -hmm. uh, so my band Greywalker, um, I play in a death metal band called Greywalker. And uh, I've mentioned that we've kind of run out of things to write about. Like, I don't know what to to talk about in songs. Uh, So we have an EP coming out and I'm actually calling the EP Lakey Shot. And every, every song is named and themed after a Bill Tracy ride. That's awesome, yeah, so it's all where like,
1: else did he he had one at like lakemont park, maybe
0: uh he had a bunch uh that the ones that are still like active there unfortunately isn't like too many
1: that I know were there's still... one that looked exactly like Lake cat show, but yeah uh, there the are other ones. did he do a hell hole uh
0: so <laughs> I don't think he did a hell hole, but uh there's a. Terror Ride. What we named what Terror Ride mm-hmm. is a song that I did. Uh we did um Dude, why am I blanking on these songs right now? I'm like really excited to be talking about this, but I also <laughs> wasn't like really planning on talking about this. Um this year. Lost River. It was so we did Lake Kishot, Lost River, Terror Ride, mm-hmm. uh Phantasmagoria, and I think yeah, the the fourth track I'm just calling Lake Ashot but um yeah so yeah i think that he's probably did around like maybe somewhere between 50 and 100 rides i know that's kind of vague but there was a lot
1: um there's a really awesome crappy old ride at uh kanye still called uh devil's den that's like very similar to to lakash where it has like um it doesn't have its own motor on each car. Yeah, you remember the how uh, it used to, be like, Rrr, mm-hmm. Rrr, like as you yeah. like accelerate around the bends. Oh, that was so cool. But it still it takes you through. You know, you're in a car and you're and you're you're winding your way through uh, spooky scenes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you? uh Did you get to see the new old mill at all? Did you? Did you go to Kennywood this this past I haven't season yet? I haven't yet. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I enjoyed it. It was like very... <laughs> so, dude, the equivalent is like... um, It was like... So I grew up with the Ninja Turtles, right? Uh-huh. And then they make a new Ninja Turtles movie. And it's different. Yeah. Of course, you love the one that you remember when you were a kid. But this new oh, Ninja yeah. Turtles movie isn't for you, Mr. 30-something. It's for <laughs> the 10-year-old, right? So you just kind of have to... If you're going to go enjoy the new Ninja Turtles movie, you kind of have to be like... All right, it's fine. Not take it so yeah, personally. Yeah, then you go,
1: no, this LaCashio show was for me, damn it. It was for me. It wasn't for the kids.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, just, I've just never been like that with media in any sort of the way. The kids
1: don't like Garfield
2: either. I mean, come on. You know, Garfield... I, you miss I, it now. I never didn't
0: like it. It just bummed me out that it like took the place of the old mill. Like, I didn't mind the yeah. ride itself. Like, it was corny, but I like big, corny things. Like, I
1: just, yeah. you know,
0: it's, I'm into it.
1: It just, I somehow gained an appreciation for Garfield's nightmare as it went along as I told her. Even that there was like product placement. Like, the whole idea is that he ate a bunch of lays like various brands and various products from lays and then because it and then he had nightmares because he ate a bunch of lays that's what i took from it that's that's my take of why he had the nightmares in the first place
0: yeah it was it was fun like i I it's like it's like the it's like okay if you're gonna get off that ride and the first thing that you as an adult are going to do is try to analyze and criticize the Garfield mm-hmm. boat ride. Think about what you're doing. Yeah, it's a yeah. Garfield boat ride. Like, okay. Let's just. My question let's is let's
2: why work on ourselves. Done that.
1: They could have done that anywhere. Like it didn't have to be on a, on a, on a, his like a historic boat ride. You know what I mean? Like the water had and then being in a boat hadn't. it didn't help. It didn't do anything. Like you should be on the river Styx or something. Like not, like, just in having a cat's dreams I think sequence. That,
0: I think that Garfield's, I think that Garfield's nightmare was technically the longest theming in that building. I don't think anything really? else had was ever in there that long.
1: No way! Yeah. That's, that's wild.
0: Because you had, wow. you know, before it was the Old Mill, but before that they had, like, the Haunted Herald's hilarious, horrendous hidden highway. highway, whatever yeah. it was. And then uh, before that it was the Old Mill, but then before that they had, um, fuck, I can't remember. It was, there was a couple other themes to it. Like, it wasn't always the mm-hmm. Old Mill. And they changed the theming out, like, pretty much every ten years. And uh, it was like Garfield's Nightmare for, like, twenty so which is wild that's a quick 20 years uh didn't Ah. really feel like it but yeah that was like yeah close to 20 anyways uh so yeah yeah i think it was just one of those things where it always rotated so much but you know when you're young you know what i mean we're only we have three decades to remember it so we had one decade of it as the old mill and then two decades of our lives with it as Garfield's nightmare so and time
1: moved differently then too Totally. like ten years, like as a kid, like your first ten years are equivalent to like twenty years uh after you're ten, uh-huh you know like it, it's like you don't have the perspective to know what a year is uh so you like it takes a long time <laughs> to get through those ten years, so it feels like uh so so much longer that's crazy
0: bringing it back around uh to music uh in mm-hmm. time. Uh, I remember I sometimes I have younger people on the show and I had uh, somebody was on the show. I can't remember who it may have been my episode with Real Life Always, who is in his early 20s. I think he may not even be 20 yet. He's he's pretty young. Um, I might be confusing him with somebody else, too. So I apologize. I doubt that they're watching it. But anyways, a young up and coming artist who's just like really <laughs> been doing this for like a few years, like the amount of time that we'll spend on one album. Right. And I remember telling them like, yeah, I've been like working on this album for like two and a half years. And they looked at me like I was a maniac because to them, that's like their entire time that they've been doing music all together. And they're like, you know, they do um like hip hop stuff. So it's a lot of in the box production and they can crank out a song like fully produced and recorded really quickly. Not that you can't do that with full instruments, but you know, when you're just, programming like a 16-bar drum loop and then rapping over it for three minutes, you can do it pretty quick. So the idea of yeah. like, yeah, I'm spending, you know, eight months trying to do composition for a track. It was like, wow, like, why? And like, I was like, <laughs> well, you don't get it, but also you have a point. Why? And we've talked about this a little bit too with just like, you know, that overworking the dough and how much do we want to work on these songs and mm-hmm. when, when can it just be done? Like how how many times do we need to practice this song and things like that so it's kind yeah. of a an interesting thing to take from somebody very helpful <laughs> very helpful bit of advice unintentionally helpful and it wasn't really advice it was more just like a an inspirational reaction that kind yeah. of was like yeah you know wh- why uh-huh
1: yeah it's, I, i've uh, there's a couple songs on this album there's a song at the end called uh 25 um and, uh, my friend, uh, Pete Spinda, uh, had, had a, was setting up a podcast sort of a uh, video casting, uh, uh, called, uh, Alone Together Pittsburgh. And, uh, he asked me to come up with a theme song for it. And so I had a really cool guitar riff and I messed with it. And over the course of the past year, I played with that song, and it became something because I knew there was something there. So, like, I kept working that dough until it it got somewhere. Um, there is a handful, of, there was a couple songs that didn't make it onto the album that, like, I uh, I kept working and working and working. I was just like, no, I'm done with them. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think I think you just yeah. have to know. Like, it's pretty easy for me if I op- if I start a session on something because I mean I primarily work in like synths and beats and things like that. Everything usually starts with some sort of like electronic drums or electronic melody for me. That's just how I write. Mm-hmm. So yeah. usually like I'll open up something and I'll start working on something and I'll know in like 15-20 minutes if like this is going to be something or not. It might be right. something that takes me a while to actually turn into something but like I usually have like that that idea. It's almost like when you meet somebody and you know that you're just not gonna like them. <laughs> like you're around them for like a second. That, just the way that they said hi to me. I'm just like, Neh. like, I'm sure you're nice. I'm sure that you might be a good song for somebody else, but not me. So
1: yeah, See you yeah, totally. <laughs> That's a, the the sketch process, you know, whenever you're like, Yeah, this is cool. This, uh, I'm okay with this one. I'm gonna move on. But uh, there's a point after you've worked on it so so long that you can still make that where you're just like, yeah, I think I'm done with this one forever. But then there's other ones where, because it's not, the excitement's not there, but then there's other ones where whenever you, uh, you know, are like, okay, well, I'm done with this one now. And it's not sparking now. So if I sit this here and just kind of don't forget about it, at least it's documented. And if I'm on a dry spell, I can just pull it up and listen to it. And Maybe I'll have the answer for it then and I'll make it into something that's good then. And uh it's fine if it
2: takes ten years to uh to to get a song moving. It's uh I have I have ones that stretch, you know, deep into my past.
0: To keep to keep the conversation uh on on topic there's a lincoln park song on their second album meteora called breaking the habit and it took them almost 10 years to write that song because really? yeah this awesome. like trying to find like the right words and the right way to get this idea across that they had it took them a really really long time to get that song done
2: and
1: then once it hits it's like you know it you're you're just suddenly just like shit like yes i'm confident
0: yeah i remember reading about that in an interview and i remember thinking at the time like i could never imagine spending that long on a song because i was Mm -hmm. probably 18 or 19 you know again that time Uh was so short but now it totally makes sense i've had songs Mm -hmm. that i've recorded on albums that i made when i was uh you know, 2021 that I recorded eight years later, like re-recorded them almost not too dissimilar from what we were talking about before with some other artists. Like I like, Mm -hmm. I I was like, I still like the idea of this song and it still relates to me, but I want to like configure it in a new way because I think it would be cool to just revisit this thing and Mm -hmm. give it a new, a new fresh coat of paint.
1: Yeah, totally. Dude. I like Linkin Park more now talking to you. <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> I <I'd> have like <laughs> a, even more appreciation for them. Yeah, no, that's no, they're, they're, really. And that's that's, that's really a really cool part band. It. Really
0: cool band. Sad story. Really sad story. But oh, didn't mean to do that. Hit the wrong button. But uh yeah,
1: dude. Very very sad story, man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Which, like I said, I mean you. That's kind of part of the reason why, like, when you, you know, said the things that you said about perpetuating certain feelings, it's like. Bro, you're not wrong because that shit was there. But it being there was like an unfortunate part of what maybe made the music and the song so great cuz it was coming from this place, but it's like shit. You know, hate to see it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a strange thing. It's a strange thing right. how pain can 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 bring some real beauty into the world.
1: I don't know. It is. It's it really is and it's like you don't want to you know, you can't, you can't dwell in that place, but like you, uh, you know, everything's like, uh, you know, every, everything is a muscle, you know, and like the more you exercise, uh, whichever
2: muscles gonna, gonna become stronger. And like, there's a, you know, uh, there's a thing to be said for expressing yourself and then but if you're if you're forced
1: to endure the same feelings uh that are negative feelings you know over and over i i can't imagine but yeah it's it's wild it's wild dude yeah
0: like what the fuck happens if you write this song about something really terrible and then this song becomes a huge hit now you are known for this song Is maybe something that is very inspirational to other people, but like for you, it's like this thing that you, not only are you known for this, but you have to go sing this in front of tens of thousands of people for probably the rest of your career. You have to Mm -hmm. keep on like, how do you get like, no pun intended, but like, how do you get numb to that? Numb being a, a popular Linkin Park song, but how do you get, like how do you i don't know if you can like if those feelings are coming from a genuine place i don't think there's no amount of time that you can like sing those songs and i not mean something maybe like what the meaning of the song could possibly change much like an eddie vetter and an alive
1: but uh yeah
0: right i don't know i mean all Yeah, all, i think it's all different
1: yeah it is i i don't know you know i can't claim to have i have any uh you know to have any answer of uh to, to the, that, you know, age, ageless, uh, question of like, you know, I don't know, how could we have, how could we have saved, you know, those, those people that, uh, you know, took themselves away from us.
2: Um, all I can say is just like, you keep trying and, you know, that that's like, you know, the victims of, their own demise like that, like whenever, um, you know, there's occasionally days that I'm, I've experienced, like I've gone through like huge,
1: you know, bouts of depression. Um, and, um, every single time, thank God I've stuck it out, you get through
2: and then you experience something that you're just like. Well fuck, thank God I
1: (laughs) I was able to (laughs) stick around this long to experience this, you know, whether it's a day or like a special day or like a you know, an interaction or you know, anything and like just like just fucking knowing that like you're gonna like there are days to be had that are like that. (laughs) There's always gonna be fucking amazing shit in the future whether it doesn't feel like that or not, you know, a permanent
2: solution to a temporary problem is, is really what you're facing. And, um, yeah. And
1: try to make your music a little bit uplifting every once in a while.
2: It's weird. It's like sometimes
0: <laughs> like, you know, with, 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 uh, with, with songwriting, right? Sometimes you mm-hmm. just have to take, if you're having a problem with a song, you got to take a break from that song. You got to step away from it and then come back to that song after you've had some time, right? And it's like, is there a lesson to be learned with just like how we could apply that to our lives in general? We're like, you know, sometimes, you know, we get faced with problems and we want to meet them head on and try to take care of it as quickly as possible. But I think sometimes the quick solutions are very rarely like the right solutions. So allowing ourselves to take that step away from this bad song that we can't figure out, right? Like yeah and stepping back to it when we have like a clearer Mm -hmm. mind
1: you know what i've been uh over the past probably three years or so i've been kind of delving in meditation and uh i'm you know it's it's one of these things that like we're all equipped to have and meditation isn't you know built around any belief system or anything like that it's really just like uh being able to take a step back and you know what you're feeling uh,
2: to just be able to look at that as this is something I'm feeling right now. Like it isn't, it isn't all there is. It isn't like the
1: whole reality of everything that is going to be. It's just how I'm feeling right now. And so It's really
2: just practice. Meditation is really just practicing. uh, Like. Muting that voice. uh, and, And it's practice of just like. I'm not doing anything but existing. And I'm just. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out, and that's literally all I'm doing right now. And when you focus on that, you start to think about
1: anything that the whatever the thing you've been thinking about all day or what thing you have to do next, you end up suddenly being like, "Oh yeah, that's a thing that's happening. That's a thing that I'm doing is I'm thinking about that thing." And so you practice. Uh, saying, no, I'm not going to think about that right now, actually. I'm just going to keep focusing on existing. And then you practice thinking about it and then you turn it off again. And like, it's,
0: yeah. So I don't know if it's the best time to do it, but that's honestly how I fall asleep.
2: I use
1: that to fall asleep as well <laughs> uh,
0: yeah I, 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 I there's no there's no, nothing else. I used to be like a a big like something has to be on the t v you know very much child of the nineties left to their own devices like you know if yeah. you know if there isn't an allison changed music video on I can't <laughs> fall asleep but uh nowadays it's way different i need like cause mm. i think like my day is so consumed with like media and screens all the time i'm always like listening to music or listening to podcasts or working on music or working on podcasts and it's just like holy shit like it's so much intake nonstop. like even if i'm like at work or doing something i'm like listening to like a podcast and it's always about like something heavy like some (laughs) political turmoil or some other shit because it's like i want to know what's going on so i'm like taking in all this information throughout the day and then you know at the end of the night i'm like oh my god like I have just absorbed way too much stuff. A lot of it cool. A lot of it terrible, but I need to know all of it. What do I do with this now? Okay. Let me forget about it so I can fall asleep. And then we'll start over again tomorrow.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. That's like this. uh, I got into this really (laughs) shitty cycle of drinking way too much and, uh, staying up like too late and then smoking weed and getting over, uh, overthinking, uh, getting into overthinking and just like, I don't know, just basically getting into a place where my mind would just start running as soon as I would, you know, lay down to go to sleep. And then I would be up not sleeping for like an hour or two, uh, just like kind of just laying there. And that's, you know, how painful that is. And, um, and then, you know, just like accumulating that, sleeping in even actually. Yeah. So what I would do is I would, I would sleep in the next day to, uh, to recover from the missed sleep. And then I would force myself into a the restlessness then the following night. Yeah. And I got into that, that cycle, like, right. Whenever the sort of pandemic pandemic sort of started, uh, and that, uh, that with like regular anxieties and following the news and, uh, Uh, And it helped me to actually, first off, fucking just get up early. I don't care how you, you know, slept the night before. You don't get to sleep in unless it's Saturday or Sunday. But like, get up and then you're going to be tired, be active, and then you're going to be tired the next night. And also, practice uh mindfulness and whenever you're lying down just kind of do that as an exercise just focus on something you have to focus on something you have to use that energy somehow and just focus on your breathing if that's what you got to do
0: yeah i i hate sleeping in i get like so like distraught if i like you know i wake up and there's that feeling you know as soon as you it's like what like you already know that it's like, you know, you've been asleep for three years somehow. And you're just like, oh, no.
1: Has it always been that way for you?
0: No. It, I think that it's. I think as I've taken on more and more creative responsibilities, uh-huh. um, I've started to find like uh, a piece in getting up early. I like. Getting up and uh, getting things done before I have to go to work or something like that. Like the whole idea of like get up and go to work right away is like miserable. I like, okay, let me get up, have a meal, have a coffee, maybe answer some emails, maybe work on a song. Like give myself two or three hours in the morning before I actually have to go into an office. It's hard, Ah. but you step in. Feeling so much better because I've already like, you know, if I don't do that, then all of a yeah. sudden I'm distracted at work thinking about an email I didn't answer or a song apart. You know, like, these things just get them out of the way so, true. so yeah. I can get through my day easy and I just feel better. Like I'm not all tense and stiff and stressed out and grumpy at coworkers. Like, what's the matter, man? I'm just like. You don't understand the groove on that drum part is still off and I can't figure it out. And that has, that has nothing to do with oh, this shipping. Man.
2: I'm like, yeah, sorry,
1: dude. Sorry, man. I've been, I've <laughs> been in that place where I have uh, a song that is not finished and that hasn't been finished for, for weeks and weeks. And it's playing in my head and like, I'm all already like sleep deprived and over caffeinated, irritated at work. I've fucking been there, man. It's like, I don't think anybody can understand how actually like how tormented you can feel (laughs) by hearing your own damn song fucking like haunting you in everything you do for days and days and days. And then whenever I have a thing where if I, if I go to bed uh, after drinking, like if I've had too much to drink, it, I hit it. There's a, there would be a melody or a part of a song and that plays through the whole night until I wake up and I go, Oh, I didn't sleep a bit. That song has just been looping. Not even the whole song, just that one line. And then it's just like special kind of awful. I had this wild <laughs> dream. This actually
0: just happened last night and you just reminded me of this. So I had this dream that, I was watching the Ramones play, but they were playing a song that was not a Ramones song. It was just a song that does not exist, but it was so sick. And when I woke up, I was like, I can't remember that song. And I'm really mad that I can't remember that song because I just dreamed a really cool song, but I have no idea what it was. Not that I have any use for like a power pop punk sort of song, but hey, give it to somebody.
1: This happened to me twice over the summer, and I woke up, I was able, I, I got out of bed while I was still very sleepy, and I walked here into the office, and I knelt down, and I picked up that guitar. Actually, I had a, an electric guitar hanging there, so it was much quieter. And uh, I knelt, I just got on my knees here, just picked up the guitar, and just like kept my eyes shut, because I didn't want to lose it. I tried to stay in that moment a lot. And I, uh, I actually effectively uh, saved two of my dream songs, uh, at least the, like the, the one melody part. And I and I got voice memos
2: of it. And I, you can you can save those, Brian. You can get them if you if you can get the fuck up and, and
1: get it down on a voice memo, hum it. Yeah, y- you're not wrong.
0: You're not wrong.
1: Because they're real and you wrote it.
0: It'd be really and, funny if you played back one of those voice memos and it was just the Linkin Park song. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I do. I, That's I what's going to happen I, I write Linkin Park songs. <laughs> and when I have guests over, they find me in the kitchen late at night.
2: <laughs> Andre? What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I hate everything about you. Yeah. Oh man. So well,
0: I think that now is as good of a time as any to wrap things up. We've been going for an hour yeah. and 20 minutes, my friend. Eighty oh my minutes. God, this curious? is almost almost a feature-length film. Holy hell. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you for coming by, Andre. One more time, promo the new stuff. Tell people where they can hear it. Although I think anybody that's listened to an hour and 20 minutes of us talking, hopefully they've already listened to your soft stuff because they're, you know, friends or family or whatever. But let them (laughs) know just in case they they forgot.
1: When does this album come out? Uh, Or when does this this podcast come
0: out? out. Yeah. Uh, Hold on. I can let you know.
1: I'll look up
0: my little document here. Cause i do have it
1: march 9th
2: march 9th okay all right um
1: well uh you can find it on oh fans called you uh it's called youtube and you can find it on tomorrow club <laughs> 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 now the band's called tomorrow club and uh it's it's my uh lockdown album and uh i started it uh when the lockdown occurred um song for song it's they ended up being inspired by the lockdown and uh express a lot without specific being like seriously specific about uh the content of uh you know i'm not just sitting there like complaining about wearing a mask or anything um it uh kind of cycles through just I want to walk you through it, but you know, you can do it by just listening to it. It's six songs and they're all, uh, different. And, uh, I did it all at home here. And, uh, it was a really great exercise in, uh, just like self-reliance and, uh, creative expression and, um, check it out. I think you might like it. Awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah, dude. Uh, you get, you can check it on uh band Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon—pretty much, I think, everywhere you get music. Um, Also, by now, uh, by March, uh, I uh, would—I'm coming. I'm putting a sweatshirt out there online. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah, dude! Cool sweatshirt, man. Has a cat on it. Oh, wow. Uh, Me, yeah. It's an illustration. Yeah. It's pretty cool. sweet, Brian. Thanks so much for having me, man. This is a this is a really cool conversation we had. I I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Uh, I did as well. Thank you, thank you. It was it was cool. It was cool to get to chat with you. Cool to get to like talk to you. I I I don't think we have ever met before. I know that we've definitely been. I've seen your band. Like you know, like Deutschtown or Millvale or one of those things. Like we know a lot of the same people, so we've been yeah. around each other, but we've never, you know, gotten to like to the point where we're talking about Bill Tracy rides. So I'm glad that we got there and uh, figured Dude, you all that gotta out.
1: Do it, man. Hit me. Let me know what you're what you're doing. Like, let me know how how it's going. I, will. With, your, uh, I will. with that because it's probably. I'd love. I, it. Yeah, to be a part know. of it. My, my bro yeah. would probably be a really good resource. He's. I think he, I think he has every single postcard ever, uh, ever printed for Kennywood. Wow. I think he just, I think he just like finished that off recently. Whenever I was in Florida with him uh, a month ago, and uh, yeah, and he knows a ton of people too. He's a part of uh, NAFA, which is uh, the National Amusement Park Historic Association.
0: Super cool. Super cool. Okay. It'd, be, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be good to, uh, have at least one conversation with somebody that knows what they're talking about. Cause I am a it's total just I'm stories. just, I'm just some weird mall rat that liked going to go into Kennywood, but I figure it'll be a fresh perspective.
1: Dude, you gotta do it, man. I love, I love the angle to it. It Like sort of like punk take on it. Cause everything is, you know, Rick Seebeck and very wholesome, but you can mix that because like, Fucking punks are wholesome too in their own weird way, you know. Like yeah, other like gritty people are like fucking sweethearts too. So like, yeah, do it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's
0: my that's my feeling. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait a little bit. Start getting things a little bit more organized. I have a ton of ideas. It's just like I wanted to shoot in the park, but I didn't. You know, I don't I don't know when that's gonna happen. I don't want to wait for things to open back up because that could take forever and it could be like a cool way to like enjoy it's like you know do I want to put out a podcast about a place where we can't go is it the wrong time is it the good time to do it don't don't worry
1: about that shit no it's it's they're gonna open get your season pass go there once a week record your whatever you're thinking about just go on whatever ride you want to go on and Talk about it and just follow that that interest. I appreciate and, your uh,
0: your uh, your enthusiasm. So maybe dude, maybe this summer, summer twenty twenty one. We'll, we'll guess spring hell. technically. Yeah,
1: <laughs> hell yeah, man. There's so many. There's so many different rides. There's so many different. Like you could fucking stay in the picnic grove and do an episode on that because like it's so rich with history. Like the arcade, the penny arcade. The Rattling Arcade is this album right here on my wall. This is, that's, that's what that, that's the inspiration for the Rattling Arcade. Which was the, the, the Penny Arcade there next, uh, next to the Jackrabbit. Huh.
0: Wow. Look at us. Kindred spirits.
1: <laughs> to- Join to- the Tomorrow Club as well. Yeah, okay. Go to jointhetomorrowclub.bandcamp.com.
0: Will do. Well, with all that being said, I'm going to do my outro and that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here one more time. Andre Costello, thank you. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2021. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That is a podcast, my friend. Goodbye.